Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Today you're going to hear round two from a show recorded August 10th, 2012 at the Brody Theater in Portland, Oregon, featuring Kyle Kinane, Sean Jordan, Shane Torres, Whitney Street, and Jen Allen, reading pieces they wrote backstage based upon audience suggestions. And speaking of Portland, competitive erotic fanfiction returns, this time to the Blue Monk on November 14th, 2013, 7.30 p.m. doors. Tickets are available at the door only for $10 cash. Also, November 17th, we'll be in Eugene at an arcade called Shoryuken League. 8.30 doors, $7 cash, only at the door. Doing the first ever themed show. All topics will be based upon video games. Hope to see you there. Enjoy the show. It was hot in Miami. 87 degrees by 2 p.m. with 100% humidity. It's a good thing I'm almost home, thought Dorothy, who was clearly sweating through her beige brassiere and flowered blouse. Almost out of breath, she unlocked the door of the apartment. Blanche, Rose, anybody there, she called out. No answer. The only sound in the apartment was the oscillating fans swaying impotently back and forth in a futile, almost Sisyphusian attempt to cool the room by merely moving the dank equatorial air around. It's hotter than a pregnant nun doing jumping jacks in July, she quipped as she unbuttoned her blouse in the living room and subsequently undid her robin's egg blue slacks and let them fall to the ground, leaving her standing in the middle of the apartment in only a pair of unspeakably massive white cotton old lady panties. The aforementioned sweaty beige bra and a pair of orthopedic shoes. Dorothy collapsed into an overstuffed easy chair, began fanning herself with a copy of AARP magazine, and almost subconsciously slipped off her sodden bloomers, closed her eyes, and allowed the oscillating fan to air dry her moistening crevasse. Ah, that's the stuff she sighed and almost immediately realized she was quivering downstairs. Oh, hello, old friend, she quipped, and began gingerly peeling apart her labia like two dried apricots left in the sun. (laughs) The next thing she knew, she was startled by the sound of voices in the room. Well, what do we have here, cooed Blanche, who was a horny old slut? Dorothy sat bolt upright, or as bolt upright as an elderly woman wrist deep in her own geriatric goo bowl could, and froze when she saw not only Blanche, but Rose as well, just back from the shuffleboard court, staring at her aghast in the doorway. What are you doing, asked Rose, who is not just an aging bumpkin, but also borderline retarded. (laughs) Playing canasta, dummy, what does it look like, quipped Dorothy who was an ancient lesbian. (laughs) That's not how we played canasta in St. Olaf, cried Rose. (laughs) Rose, you slack-jawed yokel, why don't you stop staring and remove Olaf your clothes already? (laughs) Quipped Dorothy. 
who is now inexplicably smoking a cigarette with her free hand. Rose, whose Midwestern countenance had not prepared her for surprise bouts of elderly sophism, looked to, <laughs> looked to Blanche for a cue, only to see that she had already stripped out of her purple jumper and was engaged in an unspeakable act involving a Hummel figurine that Rose was fairly certain belonged to her. <laughs> oh my, she gasped. But before Rose knew what was happening, Blanche had buried her face in Dorothy's lap, and now, in spite of Rose's shock, misgivings, and utter lack of interest in lesbian sex before this moment, she had become curious and aroused. Within minutes, all three ladies were bare naked and writhing in what could only be described as a big, heinous pile of naked old people. So vigorous was their lovemaking that the three lifelong pals didn't even notice when Sophia entered the apartment. <laughs> Barely phased by the sight of her daughter and roommates entangled in a lusty varicose flesh heap, she merely paused for a second before quipping, I haven't seen this much gray meat since they stopped rationing in World War II. She began shuffling toward the kitchen before pausing one last time to quip. <laughs> I was gonna make a nice dinner, but I don't know if I bought enough linguine to soak up all of that clam sauce. <laughs> and uh, let's welcome the round two comics who will be writing based on your suggestions, ladies and gentlemen, Jen Allen, Whitney Street, Shane Torres, Sean Dor Jordan, and Kyle Kinane, ladies and gentlemen. Jen Allen, step up to the mic. Portland's own Jen Allen, ladies and gentlemen. Feeling good. Feeling good. All right. All right. Let's see what we got here. So uh, here's the deal with this round. I will draw one. If they like it, they can take it. If they don't like it or they're not sure, we can draw a second, and then you guys decide which one they write. Okay? So first suggestion, Twin Peaks. Not feeling it? We just had Twin Peaks in San Francisco. All right. Law and Order SVU. <laughs> Who wants to hear Twin Peaks? Who would like to be horrified by erotic fan fiction based on Law and Order SVU? Jen Allen, all right. Whitney Street, Portland's own Whitney Street, ladies and gentlemen. Yay. What have you been doing to prepare for this, Whitney? Anything? I read a crack.com article on fanfiction. <laughs> Good enough. Uh, how do you feel about Lord of the Rings, Whitney? I will take that. Oh, uh, Lord of the Rings! <laughs> Portland's own Shane Torres, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Feeling good? We'll see. I hope nobody mm. says to kill a mockingbird or any shit like that. <laughs> uh, Captain Planet. I'll uh, let's pull another card. Let's pull another one, all right. Shut up, it's right. my choice. Yeah. MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to hear Captain Planet? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Who wants to hear MacGyver? Yeah. MacGyver it is. Mr. Kyle Kinane from Los Angeles, California, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. 
Four Pete, I believe. Four Pete? Four Pete. Yeah, oh. I really don't like this game. Tell. <laughs> Makes me feel like a bad person. <laughs> uh, Kyle won one of the LA competitions writing uh, Rent. <laughs> Uh, this will be released as a podcast. You can hear it in a couple of months, I promise you. It was fucking horrifying. <laughs> no, but I told about it. <laughs> Kyle, how do you feel about the Andy Griffith show? <laughs> Rest in peace. Let's, let, let's see Let's see what the second one All right, let's see what we got. <laughs> has to offer. It has facts of life to offer, Kyle. I put it to you, judge and jury, who wants to hear Andy Griffith? And who wants to hear Facts of Life? Facts of Life it is. I guess I, I, I take the good, I take the bad. <laughs> Portland's own Sean Jordan, ladies and gentlemen. Sean Jordan. Okay, now I don't know if this is a real thing. You guys are gonna have to help me. It says blow pony. <laughs> can anyone? Can anyone? That's a dance. It's a local gay dance party. Uh, unless you love that, I'm throwing it out. No, I don't care. This okay. Next one, we'll All right. See what's Sorry, up. guys. Oh, you're throwing it out? Yeah. I don't like Good it. Show, man. All right. <laughs> ah, another repeat. Watership down. How do you feel about Watership Down? Uh, I don't know what it is, so let's at least check <laughs> the right. next one. All right. Candyland. I know what Candyland is. All right. Who wants to hear Watership Down? Yeah. Candyland, anyone? Yeah. All right, there you go. Candyland. All right, dismissing these comics to go in the back and write. Give it up for Sean Jordan, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. All right, Candyland, here we go. <laughs> it was a lustful day in the land of candy. In, in the land of Candyland, and all that worked there had had a long day of entertaining children and were very ready to kick back and get down on some recreational GHB and see where the night took them. <laughs> Lord Licorice was having a dirty, meshy, and brawn panty party that night, and old Magic Fingers couldn't wait to pet the kitty a little bit. The rules of the party go as follows. All the men take Viagra, and all the women do GHB, but no sex. All the men wear dirty mesh shorts, all the women wear bra and panties, can't have sex. You can tuck a knuckle, you can flick the bean, or even dip your hands in chocolate and give a mean tug job, but no intercourse. Everyone arrived, and immediately the Duke of Swirl started kicking game to Queen Frostine. Knowing full well her and Lord Licorice had been having trouble with their marriage, hey queen, heard you have a headache. You know, it cures that, right? What, she said seductively. Aspirin, you goddamn idiot. But in this conversation, I've been distracting you and if you look down, you will notice that my rocked up veiny telephone pole is sticking out of my mesh shorts. Go ahead and do something with it. My, it's so amazing. I'm gonna need to blow you in the bathtub because when I get done, we can bathe in my natural juices that will undoubtedly fill the tub. His eyes grew wide with excitement 
as he anticipated the glory of being able to say he frosted Queen Frostine. You know why they call me the Duke of Swirl? Because my bad dude tastes just like a swirl cone, and it's the only part of me that's mulatto. <laughs> they engage in their act of mouth love, making the queen, the queen tickling her own word that I wrote that I can't see, so I'm gonna make one up. The queen tickling her own ivories while, <laughs> while taking all of swirl with the excitement of knowing she was cheating on her, hus on her whore of a husband. While this is happening at one end of the party, the Lord was on the other side getting into a little trouble of his own. He had not proofread his disgusting story before he got up. He had corralled, he had corralled King Candy with two Ks into a sinful threesome with Grandma Nut. The Lord and the King loved Grandma Nut for one simple reason. The king had a very large scrotum filled with wonderful goodness, and Grandma Nut got her last name from notoriously letting men put a nut inside her with their penis. <laughs> the Lord loved this. And it worked out perfectly because the king had a tiny scrotum, see now, a little side note, I could be mixing up the names, just wrote it. The king had a tiny scrotum who which looked like a quarter-sized novelty football helmet that you get out of a vending machine. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord took the queen from behind as her breasts heaved like two zeppelins in a dead heat. The Lord decided it was time for dirty talk. You feel so good. I'm so happy I could stick my scrotum in too, otherwise this would be like fucking an open window. <laughs> They finished up the disgusting act of animalistic behavior, and as they did, Miss Nutt was extremely satisfied. She laid down on the bed and said, you two were amazing. We are going to need a sun pump to clean this place up. That might be a Midwest thing. Everybody reconvened, and the Lord and the Queen said goodbye to their, to their guests. The Lord felt bad for what he had done and decided to go take a bath and wash away all of his sins. As he walked into the bathroom, he saw that his loving wife had already drawn him a bath. He leaned out the door, said thank you, to which she smirked and said, you're welcome, and brought him his favorite ice cream cone. Candyland, there we go. Sean Jordan, ladies and gentlemen. Stay close, wherever. Round two, people, I need someone. What do we got? Ah, Whitney Street, coming to the stage. Whitney Street. Do I have to say anything first? No, do whatever you want. Hi. You guys okay? Good. Okay. Uh, the day was dark, but it began anyway. Samwise Gamges awoke early, stretching and, stretching and shifting over the uncomfortable gravel that had been his bed. It was two weeks since they had started on this journey towards more horror. And every day the day terrain became less and less hospitable. Samwise set up, carefully extricating himself from the arms of his traveling partner, a one Frodo Faggins of the Shire. <laughs> Sam was careful not to wake Frodo, for he knew that he carried a great and terrible burden, one that only Frodo's small but dependable hobbit member could handle. It was true that he alone could carry, without succumbing to its terrible temptation, the one true cock ring of power. 
It had been nigh six weeks now since Frodo had agreed for the terrible burden, and Sam could see his struggles, for six weeks was a very long time to go without coming. <laughs> the person was wearing the ring were to ejaculate, the, the Dark Lord, the whole world would fall to the terrible, moist, sweaty hands of Dark Lord uh, hard on sour. <laughs> <laughs> and his gaping vagina eye would rule the world. <laughs> but Frodo knew that he could, if he could carry the ring to the top of Mount Doom and ejaculate into the mountain, the world would be safe from evil. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> Sam thought about his poor master and best friend, he wished he could do something to relieve his burden, help take the pressure off of him. Oh, how he wished he could take Frodo into his arms and caress his poor, chafed skin, for the ring had sat purposefully on his hard hobbit cock. <laughs> Maybe he'd just rubbed some salve on it. <laughs> Gently, not, not bringing him to completion, of course, but just something to ease the sweet, gentle, beautiful, Kind, sexy, Ma Sam froze. He realized he'd been panting. Frodo had uh, struggled in his sleep, shifted in his sleep to grab the weapon he held with him that he had inherited from his uncle, a special, magical dildo. Sting. <laughs> that they had originally thought would shown, shown uh, uh, glowed a deep red when in the presence of orcs, but actually just glowed a deep red in the presence of anyone who was aroused or is just ha orcs just happen to be aroused all the time. <laughs> Sam realized that the dildo was red and his own cock was as well. Um, bravely, he thought, well, it's the least I can do for him. If Frodo wasn't going to get off, then he wouldn't either, cock ring or no. Sam heard a flapping of a giant bat-bird monster in the distance and sat up to start working on a, work on a fire. Uh, in the rocks 20 feet away, uh, eyes peered out. The flapping was much louder over here. Words eked out as the creature golem watched Sam's loving gaze onto the sleeping hobbit. Stupid, fat hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, precious. <laughs> it's dark, you can't see anything. <laughs> Frodo lay in a fitful sleep. He dreamed of his home and of his old friends that he had only recently left, but although it seemed like an eternity ago. It's impossible to read my writing. Uh, in, his last, in, in his waking days, he could control his thoughts, but at night, the ring took over. And he was kept in a perpetual state of a near-wet dream. Without the wet part of the dream, uh, sighing, he shifted, sweating. He remembered people and places and replayed memories of the past few weeks. Aragorn's strong, roughed hands lifting him onto the horse, carrying him to the elves' land and taking off his shirt and his pants and his socks and his other socks. <laughs> using his coarse fingernails to caress Frodo's small, hairy torso. Frodo sometimes thought he had put the ring on just for Aeroporn. 
He remembered the day that Aragorn and put him, put it on him, the way his, his hard hands, his husky ranger breath had danced across his tiny hobbit ball sack. <laughs> Frodo awoke with a start. There was some commotion, but it was dark and he couldn't see. Sting glowed strong and red in his hands. He stood up quickly. He heard sounds, strange sounds over by a yonder rock. No, no, no! I was, no, I can't! The master can't, so I can't! No! Shut up, stupid fat slob! Shut up! Doesn't it feel good? Well, yes, it does, of course. That's not the point. It's not, it's not, it's not right. If the master wouldn't, Frodo wouldn't, I don't want, I just won't come. I won't, I can't. Frodo's light illuminated a shocking scene. There was Sam, tied up to a, a crude spread eagle between the only two trees for miles. <laughs> Thankfully, they had slept by them the night before. The wicked creature Gollum had kneeled before him, strung him up in a strange tent-like way. Sam's strong but small cock was engulfed in, Frodo, in Gollum's 200-year-old nasty mouth. <laughs> Gollum was clearly entranced. What is the meaning of this? yelled Frodo. Oh, Mr. Frodo, I didn't, I didn't, you're here, you're sick. Oh, God, I'm coming. Oh. Frodo watched in horror as Samwise Gamges beneath the poor Gollum's mouth desperately came and came again and again. It was as though he had been waiting for weeks, and suddenly Frodo realized that Sam had been waiting this whole time with him. He had never known. skipping that part. The three of them stood in silence. Frodo's cock throbbed hard in his trousers, the one true wing not doing a very good job of anything. <laughs> Gollum sat still, eyeing Sting angrily. Or with terror or some sort of adverb. Um, Sam looked Frodo in the eye, pained, almost weeping. I'm so sorry, Mr. Frodo. I didn't mean it. Frodo gazed back into his partner's eyes with fondness and lust. Mostly lust. <laughs> Shh. I'm the one who must carry this burden. You're my best friend, Sam. Best friend in the whole world. In fact, watching you come almost is as good as me coming. It's almost like you could come for me. Sam's tear-filled eyes shone with wonder and delight. Do you mean that, Mr. Frodo? <laughs> I do, Sam. They gazed on each other, lust throbbing through their tiny hobbit genitals. <sighs> Gollum sat off to the side, intrigued, not wanting to interfere. Do you think you could make, make me come? <laughs> For you? Frodo swung Sing in a trusty arc, almost playful. I can have a go at it. He roughly shoved Gollum aside and knelt before Sam's uh, moistened, sweaty crotch. It smelled of Gollum's spit and hobbit cum. Frodo was almost beside himself. 
He breathed roughly like the horse he had to leave behind, whose name he could highly remember because it was in the other book. We don't really remember. <laughs> he touched, sing, stuck, touched Sing to Sam's taint. Sam moaned. <laughs> Gently but confidently, Frodo pushed Sting into, the, pushed Sing lower and lower. He eased the tiny but throbbing member into, into Sam's uh, ready hobbit hole. <laughs> Sam screamed in pleasure. The flapping from earlier started again, but Frodo didn't care if Gollum was watching. <laughs> he pushed harder and harder until Sam came again and again and again and again, and Frodo almost forgot that he would ever have to come at all. Sam gazed into him, into his eyes afterwards when it was all done and said, how about elevensies? <laughs> Thank you. Whitney Street, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it. Who's over there? I can't see shit. Kyle Kinane coming to the mic. Big hand for Mr. Kyle Kinane. Mrs. Garrett rode the lithe Negro boy, her aging breasts swaying wildly, having succumbed to gravity during the wild dancing of the summer of love. Now that's what I'm talking about, Willis. She exhaled before crumpling atop the eldest adopted child of her rich boss, Philip Drummond. A newly deflowered Willis held her gently. Mrs. Garrett, does this mean you're my girlfriend now? Is this, is this... What love is, he said with a quiver in his voice. She pushed him away coldly. Fuck no, nah, son. This is me finally getting a taste of that black dick. One last trophy before I go full-on cave crushing his house mother of a private all-girls school upstate. And it's not Mrs. Garrett's Miss G, son. <laughs> but what do you mean, M Miss G? I thought letting you give me a growing-up massage meant we would get married and make Mr. Drummond proud. She was already pulling her moo-moo back on. <laughs> Psh, don't be a bitch, Willis. You want to blast that chocolate milk for me again? Just close your eyes and use your other hand. Get down with some of those different strokes. I gotta catch me a bus up to the Snatch Ranch. <laughs> Edna Garrett arrived at the girls' dormitory at dusk. As she walked in for the first time, she saw a chubbly Natalie Green on the sofa eating a donut. Too easy, she said to no one as she dropped her bags in the foyer. <laughs> she, she sniffed into the air. Oh shit, I smell some of that retard pussy up in this piece. She exclaimed at the same time Cousin Jerry was trying to hobble down the stairs. I'm not retarded, I have cerebral palsy, she dribbled. Oh fuck, my bad, let me ask you. Does your head shake like you're eating corn on the cob all the time? Well, I guess it does, contemplated Jerry. Mrs. Garrett lifted her haunches onto the back of the couch next to a shocked Natalie and pulled up her frock. 
She addressed the young disabled woman struggling to maintain her balance. Hey, crooked tits, this corn on the cob don't even need butter. Time to have yourself some of that soft food your people like so much. She exposed a dry shock of red hay and leaned over to Natalie. Looks like, you like to, looks like you like to keep your mouth busy. You like pee on each shrimp, she said as she leaned back further, revealing a nest of hemorrhoids blossoming from her leathery anus. Oh my God, Tootie! yelled Natalie as she ran out of the room. By this time, a curious Jerry had made it down the stairs. I want to be a stand-up comedian, she said hopefully. Yeah, well, I think it would be goddamn hilarious if you drooled into my pussy and then jammed one of them shaky-ass fists right up in there. <laughs> you think I'm funny? Quivered a misunderstanding Jerry. <laughs> yeah, you're a real cut-up. Now say hi to Red Fox, Mrs. G said while grabbing Jerry's head and forcing it into her abandoned baby face. Jerry mumbled about as intelligibly as she would <laughs> if she wasn't wearing an old woman's vagina like a run-over sombrero. <laughs> Bitch, what are you dribbling about down there, whined Edna as she frustratingly plucked Cousin Jerry's head from her dusty lampshade. I'm saying that your bathroom parts taste like how an old air conditioner smells. <laughs> oh yeah, well sometimes I don't want some shivery cripple mowing around my old barn. But those are the facts of life, nigga. Kyle Kinane. Keep it going for Shane Torres coming to the mic, ladies and gentlemen. Your very own Shane Torres. Hey. MacGyver woke up in a shitty hotel, his days of glory long, long past. Wiping sleep and tears from his eyes, he looked around, only to find an ashtray overflowing with half-smoked cigarettes and a half-filled condom he forgot to take off. The semen had hardened in the condom around his cock the way a block of Velveeta hardens on an old pinto. <laughs> he saw the John he picked up the night before bleeding out of his nether regions from the sin they had bathed in. He was feeling spry and began to throw himself over the fat ass he had conquered like Normandy. <laughs> Not even bothering to get a new condom. <laughs> This is art, shut up. <laughs> Upon insertion, there was a knock at the door. He walked over angrily. It was his former BFF and boss, Pete Thornton, head of agency countdown. Jesus, Mac, you look like shit run over twice, he said. What do you want, MacGyver cried like an old drunk Polish dock worker. 
Get in the car, the world's in trouble. Mac knew he had to go by the look in Pete's eyes. Commercial break. Hey, are those Bugle Boy jeans? Back to the show. 18 hours later, he was in Bangladesh. Bangla that's a country, Bangladesh. Trying to stop the world's number one weapons dealer slash sex toy provider, Kulap Umpak, from nuking the world with a nuclear warhead so powerful, its detonation would be more dried up than Joan Rivers' crusty old paper cut. <laughs> Upon entering the factory, Mac was captured and locked in a room filled with sex toys, anal nitrate, and a single pack of matches. Think, he cried. You have to get out of here. The world needs you. After rummaging, he found the nitrate, squeezed it into a lock, and heated the handle. Blowing the lock, he ran through the war... Or, sorry, he ran through the factory, armed only with a handful of dildos and anal beads. He began flinging dildos at henchmen with cum-shot-like accuracy. <laughs> Finally reaching the warhead with a trail of fake cocks and former child soldiers in his wake... <laughs> <laughs> he reached the control panel unarmed and tired fuck me uh, you're too late MacGyver bellowed Kulop there's no stopping this nuclear load from being blown <laughs> Mac yelled this countdown is not happening he reached into his pants and towards his once mighty crotch and ripped off that hardened condom and began to gently massage his hardened semen onto the control board and short-circuiting short the warhead. Kulop cried no and pulled out a pistol. Max stood there, anal beads in hand, and whipped them at Kulop Umpak, the world's number one arms dealer and sex toy provider. <laughs> they wrapped around her neck, causing... It's a girl, I'm equal opportunity. Uh, <laughs> causing a strangulation MacGyver was all too familiar with. <laughs> As Kulop sat there dying, MacGyver thought to himself, anal beads can be a wondrous thing. More times than one, I can remember they have gotten me out of a tight spot. Finn. Final contestant of the evening, Jen Allen. Law and Order SVU. It's night. A lady enters her apartment. She's clearly been drinking. She trips over her own pussy. Meow. <laughs> Damn it, Kitty Shields. She enters her kitchen to feed the old thing, and as she pours the food, a clown sneaks up behind her, wrapping his cloth-white hands around her neck. Morning, office, coffee brewing. Elliot decides four sugars today. Four sugars for his coffee. He can feel it's gonna be a good day. Olivia enters. Let's, let's go take a look at this. We got a carnival to catch. Ladies' apartment. Blood strews the walls. Hundreds of balloons shaped like dicks litter the apartment. Some are sh covered in shiny goo, and others are just outright plain balloon dicks. <laughs> Confetti covers most things, and the pussy is taking a crap in the litter box. Enter Elliot and Olivia. They are directed to the bedroom, where the lady's body has been dressed like a Harley Quinn, her legs and arms have been cut up, saying, ha, 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 all over them. And she has been, she has been choked with a balloon animal that looks like a noose. 
Olivia, sick fucks. Elliot, hell of a gag. <laughs> Interview time. Dude on a dock loading boxes in a van. Yeah, that lady, that lady's named Marmalade. Saw her last night. Works down at Corny Strip Club. She's a hell of a dancer. Doesn't hold anything back. Picks up quarters with her twat. <laughs> Saw her last night. She had a cake. Said she was gonna go visit a friend after her shift. Olivia, did the box have any markings? Dude on the dock. Yeah, Harry's Bakery. Elliot, anything else? Man, no, just a few drinks before she left. Olivia, you know where she went? Man, no, leave me alone. I gotta deliver these boxes. <laughs> Harry's Bakery. I'm Harry, and I'm the maker of these delicious cakes. You want a face again, an asshole? I'm your man. Elliot, actually, yes. Olivia, wait, no. Here, this is what we're really here for. Pulls out a picture of a woman with a huge smile with two big black dicks in her. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not how I wrote it. Let me, let me. Two big black dicks protruding from her pussy. That's how I wrote it, okay. <laughs> Olivia, you seen this woman? Harry, yeah, I came in yesterday. Bought a cake in the shape of a tampon being inserted inside the Pope. <laughs> Said she was going to a friend's house after a shift. Said he'd been down. Dude followed her in. Seemed normal enough, but looked really goofy-like. Shoes honked when he walked. <laughs> Want to make sure I didn't throw another piece of paper down. Okay, Elliot and Olivia look at each other and say, something smells funny. <laughs> Olivia, why are you giving us so much information so willingly? Harry the Baker, I like the way your tits look in that shirt. Cut to friend's apartment. Man opens the door wearing partial clown makeup, holding a knife that looks like a dildo. <laughs> Elliot, you killed the lady? Clown, hell yeah, I killed her. <laughs> Elliot, what's your motive? She bought me a cake, we ate it, it was nice. I ate her crotch hole, that was nice. She didn't laugh at my new joke, that wasn't so nice. So I followed her home and I killed her. <laughs> Cut to jail, man behind bars holding a small umbrella. Cut to break room at Elliot and Olivia's office. Elliot, I can't believe how quickly he confessed. Olivia, that shit was so hot the way you said, you kill, did you kill that lady? Made me older, my older established lady parts wetter than a fat man in the summer. <laughs> Elliot, you know what I always liked about you? Olivia, shut your fucking face! <laughs> Elliot grabs Olivia, rips her blouse and mumbles that the man on the dock was right about her tits. Olivia grabs Elliot's crotch and simultaneously, without injury, rips off his pants like a tablecloth, leaving the goods intact. <laughs> Elliot, without hesitation, pulls off Olivia's pants and smashes his face into her wet cave like a man on a mission to win a pie-eating contest. <laughs> Olivia groans, growing louder and louder. Soon, other detectives have entered in the break room, and some are taking notes. Elliot bends her over, inserts his stick and flesh balls inside of Olivia. You are my senor, screams Olivia in a Spanish accent. The pumping of the two bodies quickens and just when the sound barrier is about to break, a crescendo of pulsating pleasure explodes and like a high-pitched whistle, dogs in the neighborhood bark uncontrollably. 
Olivia gathers her clothes. Same time tomorrow? Elliot, only if you wear that blouse. Fade out, SUV on the TV screen. Dun dun. Round two up, we're gonna do some judging. Jen, don't go anywhere. Everybody, Sean George, Jen Allen, Kyle Kinane, Shane Torres. Who am I forgetting? Sean, Jen, Whitney, there she is. Kyle, all right, all right. So I'm gonna remind you all again of uh, what they all read in order. So we started with uh, Sean Jordan with Candyland. Then we had Whitney with Lord of the Rings. Then we had uh, Kyle with Facts of Life. Mr. Shane, uh, we're not judging yet, you hush up. Shane Torres with MacGyver, and then Jen Allen, Law & Order, SVU. So, starting once again from Mr. Shane Jordan, Candyland. Sean Jordan, sorry, Jesus Christ. Candyland. <laughs> Whitney Street, Lord of the Rings. Oh. <laughs> Kyle Kinane, Facts of Life. Shane Torres, MacGyver. Jen Allen, Law and Order. Kyle Kinane, your round two champion, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear it for everybody you saw tonight. Holy shit, thank you guys so much for coming. That does it for round two, and congratulations, Kyle Kinane. To hear round one from this show featuring Riley Newton, Barbara Holm, Ian Carmel, Anthony Lopez, and Derek Sheen reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing, go back and download episode 35. Hey, if you like what you heard today, please review and rate on iTunes. It helps us out a ton, and I really appreciate it. Come see the show live November 12th at the Punchline in San Francisco, November 14th, Portland, Oregon, November 17th, Eugene, Oregon, December 27th, Union Hall in New York City, December 28th at the Davis Square Theater in Boston, and January 5th at the Tacoma Comedy Club in Tacoma, Washington. Details can be found in the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Facebook group or by following me on Twitter, at Brian Cooking. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.